Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, glad to be with you on this. There we go. We still there, Borky? We're here. There we go. We're not there at some point? I wasn't aware. I don't know. There was all kinds of crazy stuff that was happening in my ears, but I think everything's good now. Uh, as I was saying. the voices in your head, Cross. Yes, I know. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. We're glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. You want to be part of the show? You can do so on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a C Spire business internet and phone bundle backed by Real Support. See how Seaspire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. Just before we get started, Borky and I were talking, and there's a lot of hand-wringing that is going on right now. And I guess maybe deservedly so. But nothing is really different than we said it was going to be this time yesterday. You know, there was a lot of momentum for perhaps playing a college football season in the SEC and the ACC. And the only thing that we had yesterday was a bunch of coaches and players from the Big 12 speaking out saying that they want to play. And that was a nice story, and I'm sure the Big Ten presidents read some of those things and said, oh, that's nice. But then they met today, and they heard from their medical experts, and they shut the season down. Happened about, oh, about an hour, hour and a half ago. And Kevin Warren has gone on the Big Ten Network, and I don't know if you guys were able to watch that or listen to any of the interview that Dave Revson did with Kevin Warren. Dave Revson did a remarkable job asking questions under difficult circumstances, and Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the uh, the, uh, the Big Ten, didn't really answer a whole lot. And Dave Revson, who has been in that spot for a long time, did a good job asking follow-up questions. But again, it was just kind of deflect, move on, be very political. So the Big Ten joins the Mountain West Conference and the MAC as shutting their season down, 
And the Pac-12 is going to do the exact same thing in about half an hour. Although it's already been done. Presidents and the Pac-12 have voted to shut it down as well. And so that leaves, among the Power Five, the Autonomy Five, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12. And there are a lot of people saying that the Big 12 is the linchpin in all of this. It is the smallest of the conferences. Only 10 teams in the Big 12. But it is a little bit of a wild card. Because there are a lot of people that think the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 together can go it alone. But the ACC and the SEC, trying to be kind of the Lone Rangers, is maybe uh, a scenario that they're not really as interested in tackling. I did find it fascinating today. And look, I, I admit that you are... You are attracted to and you want to hear information from people that put out what you want to hear, right? I mean, I want to hear infectious disease specialists who say, you know what, it's okay to play. I don't necessarily want to hear from an infectious disease specialist who goes, there's just absolutely no way you can play. But I am intrigued by the fact that people who practice in the same field and are incredibly accomplished can come to very different decisions on the same subject matter. Dr. Cameron Wolf, who is an infectious disease specialist at Duke, said this earlier today. We believe we can mitigate it down to a level that makes everyone safe. Can we safely have two teams on the field? I would say yes. Will it be tough? Yes. Will it be expensive and hard and lots of work? For sure. But I do believe you can sufficiently mitigate the risk of bringing COVID onto the football field or into the training room at a level that's no different than living as a student on campus. Close quote. So what is it that Dr. Cameron Wolf, an infectious disease specialist at Duke, is looking at that is so different than the specialists, and the medical people advising the Big Ten and the MAC. John Steinbrecher, the uh, uh, the commissioner of the MAC, has said, our medical people told us unequivocally you can't do it. So what's the difference? I, I, I don't understand. I don't get it. And again, I mean, I, I readily admit, I, I want to hear what Dr. Cameron Wolf is saying. It is fascinating to me that all of this medical information that is supposedly being fed to conference leaders and the task force and task forces and the return to play subgroups, they're not exactly putting all of the medical information that they're receiving out there for public consumption for all of us to kind of look at it and make our own determinations. I think all those people are working hard. I don't think all of them want to see college athletics returned in the fall. Seven in conversation with a buddy who said, um, "What I mean, what, what is a guy like Dr. Anthony Fauci, who has made it his life's work studying disease outbreaks, what, what's a perfect scenario for him? It's not what he says publicly, but, I mean, it makes sense. How can we eradicate disease? We just put everybody in their house and don't let everybody, everybody anybody leave. What's the perfect way to cure cardiovascular disease? Let's shut down every catfish restaurant, every fried food restaurant, every steakhouse in America. We'll get rid of 
heart problems. No. Yeah, you don't like that idea, do you? Hey, Dad. No. What? 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 You know, uh, unless there's a dentist who's actually worried about their practice, what would what would eradicate tooth issues, cavities, and cause root canals and crowns and all those things? Stop eating candy. Stop drinking sweet carbonated beverages. We can fix tooth disease forever. It's just fascinating to me all the different ways that people who are specialists in a given field look at the same situation. So what's up, boys? I'm just disappointed that the mosquito flag was a typo and it's not actually up for, for, for the vote. What, they removed it? It was one of the 147 that made the first-round cut. They killed it? There, there, there was a typo, and they had the wrong flag go forward, so the mosquito flag is out. Mm. So that, that's the biggest loss today for me, I guess. Why do you think that one was removed? Because <laughs> we're not going to have a flag with a mosquito on it? I don't know. I mean... Uh, yeah, you can't have a flag with a mosquito on it. Right? You can't. Yeah, so. But no, I mean, um, you, know, you said it a second ago. We, we sort of are where we thought we would be when we signed off yesterday. Big 10's yeah. out, Pac-12's out. We'll see what happens. It just feels different when it actually happens. The analogy that, I, that popped into my head was like going to get a shot. You know it's going to hurt. You know what you're expecting. You know what's coming. But when they stick you, it doesn't feel good. And we, we got stuck today. We knew it was coming. Yeah. We knew it was going to hurt a little. Yeah. But once it happens, it, it, it feels different seeing it. And, and, Richard, to your point, it's so funny. It, we should not at all be surprised that there are differing medical opinions on a virus that's very new. The medical field doesn't agree on, on much. Uh, I mean, how many times in your life, I mean, I get more injured than both of you combined ten times <laughs> over. But the, True the, statement. The word second opinion. I mean, the guy that, that just looked at, at my ankle said, it, you know, in a few weeks I may get somebody else to look at the images just to see what we should do. It's a, a standard bad ankle sprain. And the doctor's like, I want somebody else to look at it with me because I'm not 100% sure. And what the media's done, it's certainly not college football's media's fault that the Big Ten shut down today or the Pac-12 shut down today, but it's, well, that guy's right. The doctor that is advising the Pac-12, he's the right one, and that was the right decision today. He's making the right call. This infectious disease expert at Duke University, however, he needs to explain himself because that's not, this isn't right. He's wrong. Well, aside from bias, where are you drawing that from? The differing of opinion should be something that we expected. And also, I think it's fine if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 want to go down this road. It's fine. They make a call that's best for them. College football is devoid of leadership. Kevin Warren's been an embarrassment, but it's their call to make. But don't turn this into the Big Twelve or the, the Pac-12 is making the right call and, and the ACC is making the wrong call because of personal bias. Because the ACC is being led by an infectious disease specialist from Duke University. You think that guy knows his stuff more than a sports columnist? I think so. They're just different doesn't mean either one is wrong, it's just different. Jason on the ceasefire text line says to me that that was not fair at all to Dr. Fauci. 
Well, you're probably right. You're probably right. We all know that my wife is smarter than me, but she has said something that has really made me think, and I will share that with you next. Non-sports big breaking news. Joe Biden has chosen Senator Kamala Harris to be his vice presidential running mate. Big week for Kamala's. Has anybody told Joe yet? Staying in the news cycle. Porky. I just I want to make sure he knows who he picked. My joke was better. <laughs> yeah, tough uh, tough week for Kamala's. Or maybe not not tough. Yeah, bad for one, they, good for another. They, they, just they big just stayed in the news cycle. Yeah. Uh, Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated. Sources tell by Pat Forty and I, should be me, that the Big 12, the linchpin in today's events, is very much split on a decision. A small just, group wants to cancel. A small group wants to play. What? Just drop the grammar in there. <laughs> well, why in the heck can you not get... Not Ross in particular. I'm using you collectively. Why do people struggle so much with I versus me? I don't know. Hey, Dad and I are going to dinner. Someone told Hey, Dad and me this. Fill in the blank. It's it's easy. Are we actually going to dinner? No. Just using an example. Okay. I know there is an English teacher somewhere out there that is listening to us right now that said, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's not that hard. Uh. And all the rest of you just don't care and think that I have it's a silly hill for me to die on. Anyway, the tweet said, Lynchpin in today's events is very much split on a decision. A small group wants to cancel, a small group wants to play, a larger group wants to delay. ADs meet today, and then ADs and presidents meet jointly around 6 Eastern. Hmm. Who are the ones that don't want to play? Kansas? No. Basketball. But my guess would be Kansas. I mean, Kansas has got a former Southeastern Conference athletic director. Yeah. When you see the Pac-12, you know, they canceled all sports through January 1. So we talked about it for a second yesterday. Basketball is going to be in this. So, yeah, you would think Kansas would want to keep going so they can play basketball. The the university side of things, though, is so different. So is it ADs that are split or is it the presidents? Because who knows what the presidents are thinking. Academics are, no offense, Mike, weird people sometimes. Don't you feel like whatever Oklahoma and Texas wants to happen in the Big 12 is what's going to happen? Traditionally, yes. Traditionally, without question. Uh, Pac-12 has released a statement. Is this it? Uh, this document represents our current assessment of the most effective measures to ensure safe return to full contact. Wait, is this the, this isn't their, we're canceling it statement. No, but we, the reason why it's been given, the re, the reason why has absolutely been given. Um, the commissioner of the big 10 today said cases are spiking. Well, that's a lie. 
You can argue that they're still too high. Sure, I, I hear you. That makes sense. But they're not spiking. No, they're that, not. That is a lie. So nothing has changed. In fact, the last two weeks, as far as playing football when it comes to coronavirus and, and spreading in cases, has been really good for the prospect of football playing. He told the truth. Accidentally, he told the truth. He said there's too much uncertainty at this time in this country. It's people first, it's students, and understand they're not professionals, they're amateurs. He told the truth in that statement. That's why they're not playing football. Cases are not spiking, he lied about that, or is this completely misinformed? It's because they don't want to disrupt the amateurism model. That's what's going on here. They're not willing to do what it takes because doing what it takes would acknowledge that they're not regular students. They're not student athletes. They're athletes that go to school. And they cannot do what it takes to put this on and admit that because it disrupts the model. He said it clear as day if you just really listen to him. That's what's going on here. Because cases aren't spiking. It's because they're amateurs and he wants to keep it that way and doing what it would take to put the season on admits that they're special and they don't want to do that that's also why they're saying the season is postponed and not canceled oh that's because. a lie too well i know it's a lie but that keeps kids that keeps from people from being, well, from being able to say the, oh, i want to transfer because they canceled my season didn't the Big Ten say canceled and will attempt to play in the spring? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's yeah, that's they're they're setting up. Oh no, we're going to play another season. You don't have to worry about that. When I mean, we all know that that's a, a big crock. I, I tweeted this. I said, you know, they're going to say, oh, we can't play this fall because of health reasons. But in 2021, we're going to ask college athletes to play 22 games, possibly more than the, a team that wins the Super Bowl would have to play in a pro season. In in in, a, in a, a, what a ten month span, okay, yeah. Here is uh, part of the statement from the Pac-12 CEO group voted unanimously to postpone all sport competitions through the end of the 2020 calendar year. And Haydad pointed this out a second ago. College basketball starts the first week of November. Yeah. All sport competitions through the end of the 2020 calendar year. Let that sink in. Student-athletes impacted by the postponement will continue to have their scholarships guaranteed. Additionally, the Pac-12 strongly encourages that the NCAA grant students who opt out of competition this academic year an additional year of eligibility. As part of their guaranteed scholarships, they will continue to have university support, including academic advising and tutoring, among other support services. A quote All of the Pac-12 presidents and chancellors understand the importance of this decision and the disappointment it will create for our student-athletes, the coaches, support staff, and all of our fans. Ultimately, our decision was guided by science and a deep commitment to the health and welfare of student-athletes. We certainly hope that the Pac-12 will be able to return to competition in the new year. All right, I'm going to pause right there because I, I teased this and I forgot to come right to it. My wife is... Really smart. She was a practicing pharmacist and got out of that. She did everything you could do academically in terms of awards and all those things. And because she went through a doctoral program, she understands what it means when people talk about science. Right? I mean, she's got 
I don't know, two undergraduate degrees and a doctor of pharmacy degree. And she said one dumb decision that I'm aware of. Yeah, well, (laughs) thank you. But she pointed out, she heard somebody the other day at a far more local level than this go, we're just going to trust the science. And she said, I want to scream every time I hear someone say we're going to trust the science because they don't know what the heck they're talking about. When you say trust the science, you're talking about stuff that has been researched, tested, studied, re-researched, published, picked apart, peer-reviewed, edited, republished, and can stand on proof. That's what science is. We don't have science for COVID-19. It is a novel virus. Novel means new. We don't have proven science. What we have is medical opinions. And there's a big flipping difference between science tells us X and my opinion is this. It's not the same thing. And people want to shove down your throat over and over. Well, science tells us. No, science does not tell us this. Medical professionals who have worked in a given field for an extended period of time, maybe have made it their life's work to study a particular area, can give you an educated opinion. But that is all that it is. It is an informed and educated opinion. It is not science. Science is what it's once it's proven. Right? Does that make sense to everybody? If you're listening to this, please understand what I just said. There is no proven science as it pertains to COVID-19. It's still new. That's just like saying, well, the vaccine that they're going to roll out, science tells us it's going to be right. No, science, because it hasn't gone through all the trials to test, and we don't know that it's going to be right. It may turn out to be science when it's all said and done. And I'm by far, I I might be the least scientific-based guy that has anything to do with this show, including listening to it wherever you are. But I can listen to people that are smarter than me who go, would you just stop with the science tells us this? No, that's not true. It may be informed medical opinion, but that's what it is. It is a medical opinion. It is not science tells us we should do this. I'm getting off my soapbox now. Thank you. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bail the University of California California at Berkeley out of the financial hole. The taxpayers. I I was just curious. Oh, in California especially, because the taxpayers don't pay enough already over there. They've got about $500 million of debt for their athletics department after the big renovation they did to Memorial Stadium a couple of years ago. And they have lost their deal with Under Armour. What was it, like an $80 million? I mean, it's a multi-year deal. Yeah. And the Pac-12 networks and their TV partners do not um, 
they don't generate as much revenue as the other conferences do through their TV partnerships anyway, and now they're not going to play football. Good luck. I mean, we saw the story last week that the uh, Pac-12 conference was working to secure a $980 million loan to divide among its schools to help them get through the hard time. How are you going to pay that back? I don't know. I mean, if I was in private equity, I probably would look at making a billion-dollar loan to the SEC if they ultimately have to cancel everything. There's revenue there, though, that shows that it'll be paid back. I would think. I don't know. Maybe it's cynical, and I'm a little biased at the moment because I'm frustrated with how things are going, but... um, why should they get a loan like that when there are other people that would need it significantly more? I mean, we've talked about the legality of endowments and stuff like that, but these universities have money, at least in the bank somewhere, to help guide them through this. Why should they get a billion-dollar loan across the board when they decided to end their I mean, As long as it's a private loan, i got no problem with them getting it. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. If it's not a government loan. It's not a, you know, was it a... PP, not a bailout. P whatever it is, I don't even know. Yeah, it's not a bailout. Yeah, PPE. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. So, oh no, I'm sorry. No, no, no. PPP. PPE is personal protective equipment. The right. PPP was the payroll protection program. A lot of P's going on there. I can't. I can't keep up. Mm-hmm. So the Big Twelve and the Pac-12 are telling us now they want to try and play in the spring. Big Ten. What I say? Big 12. 12. Yeah. Sorry. Don't put that evil on me, Richard Cross. No, not yet. The Big 10 and the Pac-12 are telling us that they want to play in the spring. Nebraska not backing down. Michigan is practicing right now. Are they really? They are practicing right now. A team spokesman said, We are practicing at this time. We are allowed to hold voluntary practices, meetings, and strength and conditioning for 20 hours per week. How about this from the University of Nebraska? Statement by University of Nebraska Lincoln Chancellor Ronnie Green, University of Nebraska System President Ted Carter, Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose, and Nebraska Head Football Coach Scott Frost. We are very disappointed in the decision by the Big Ten Conference to postpone the fall football season as we have been and continue to be ready to play. Safety comes first. Based on the conversations with our medical experts, we continue to strongly believe the absolute safest place for our student-athletes is within the rigorous safety protocols, testing procedures, and the structure and support provided by Husker Athletics. We will continue to consult with medical experts and evaluate the situation as it emerges. We hope it may be possible for our student-athletes to have the opportunity to compete. Strong words. That's not Scott Frost going rogue. That is the university president, the university system president, the athletics director, and the head football coach putting out a joint statement that says, we're going to try and find a place to play. I hope they find one. Truly, that wasn't, I hope they find one. So I have a question. Tell it. What about recruiting? Does... Ryan Day get to spend all of his week recruiting if the SEC plays and Nick Saban has to spend his week game planning for Georgia? Doesn't that feel like a huge unfair advantage? Yeah, but those recruits taking the calls are going to be like, wait, why aren't you 
coaching. I mean, you're wrong. You're not wrong, but I mean, and and that's a problem for Michigan State and Illinois. Ohio State is Ohio State still. So I just wonder, you know, if in the interest of fairness, which I know we're all about here, uh, do you tell those schools that you're on a you're on a dead period until a real dead period until you start playing football again? You can't have contact with recruits. I mean, if you, it's if not you fair. shut down all of your athletics programs to competition for the yeah. next September, October, November, December, yeah, four and a half months, then shut it down. Yeah. And and, and how about this disingenuous? <sighs> Could it be any more disingenuous? We can't play games. But we are bringing students back to campus. No, you're right. And we are going to continue to allow our players access to the athletics facility and the trainers and the training table and the tutors. So they're going to be doing everything they would have been doing anyway. We're just not going to play on Saturdays. That's what I said yesterday. The only problem that these universities are going to have is that they don't, they don't want to have the three hours on Saturday. That's it. Everything else is going to remain the same. And they would be playing a team... You guys don't already know this, but just to to spell this out completely, they would be playing an opponent that had its entire roster test negative before the game. They are allowed now to do everything else, everything else, literally everything else, except for play the game against an opponent that would have to have tested negative across the board before the game began. That was part of what Jim Harbaugh said. They said, you know, they asked him, well, how do, how do you know that, you know, guys out there bumping and grinding aren't infecting each other? And he said, well, I guess technically we don't know. But if we test everybody multiple times a week and the results are negative, then our assumption is you've got two guys that are negative and two guys that are negative that are out there bumping and grinding aren't going to be able to magically be positive. Now, I mean, the question is, okay, in between tests, were they exposed somewhere along the way? It really sounds like players and schools are taking the protocol seriously. They're working. That's the thing. They're working. Look, man, COVID-19 positive test, Borky, you said it earlier, they are still way too high in the United States. They're trending down. Still too high in the state of Mississippi. Trending down. This whole... I'm sure there are parts of the state where hospital capacity is an issue in Mississippi, but it's not everywhere the way you're wanting to be, like, like you're being led to believe. The idea that our hospitals are just absolutely overflowing and have no room for anyone. I only know at a local level. I don't know at a statewide level. But it's not true where I live. And I think the mayor had to come out and say, um, I think it was last week. I think Mayor Tannehill had to come out and say, yeah, it's not the case. Hmm. I just got an email telling me to calm you down. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but just who did it come from? Uh, uh, a listener. 
I don't want to give out. Okay, not not like a boss or something. No, no. <laughs> Man, I wish I could get an email from the corner office saying, "Can you do something about Richard?" We uh, we had a statement. My reply Twitter. would be for a raise. Yeah, here you go. Uh, I I mean I don't know. I guess it's a tweet. I don't know if it's a statement. Whatever. Tate Reeves, couple of tweets. College football is essential. What do opponents of football think? These kids will end up in a bubble without it. You can get COVID anywhere. There are forces who want to cancel everything to avoid risk at all societal costs. It's foolish. We have to balance risk and costs. Conferences that completely cancel football are doing it because they're scared of lawsuits and bad press, not because they're worried about safety. There is risk in all of life. There are things we can do to manage it without destroying society. Limit crowds and let them play. That's from the governor of the state of Mississippi. Who I don't always agree with. I kind of agree with him on this, though. I just, I'm mind blown that they're going to let them continue to do everything that they were doing previously. Mind blown by that. By, by the way, the, um, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, the doctors in those, and I'm not making light of this because it's a relatively new topic, but apparently the thing that they are clinging to now is the unknown uh, for potential heart conditions related to, or maybe not related to, COVID-19. Myocarditis is uh, what they're talking about specifically, which I had to look up earlier. It's an inflammation of the heart muscle that is uh, something you can recover from. Sports Talk Mississippi will wrap up the first hour after this. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. So the uh, medical advice the Pac-12 went on says, current assessment, the do- uh, this document represents our current assessment of the most effective measures to ensure safe return to full contact activity and competition. Numerous medical issues that we're carefully evaluating and considering the following are concerning medical issues at this time. These, they say, are the three concerning reasons for shutting football down and all fall sports down. Not delaying, but sh- shutting them down through the end of the calendar year. Community prevalence remains very high. Much of the Pac-12 footprint and traveling to many places is unlikely safe, particularly on commercial aircraft. We are concerned about health outcomes related to the virus. Among these, there's new and evolving information regarding potential serious cardiac side effects in elite athletes. It's the myocarditis. Uh, yeah, the myocarditis I mentioned a second ago. We do not have enough information to understand the short and long-term outcomes regarding these health issues. And number three, testing capacity needs to increase to allow for more frequent testing, perform closer to game time, and with more rapid turnaround time to prevent spread of infection and enhance the safety of all student-athletes, coaches, and staff involved, particularly in situations where physical distancing and mask wearing cannot be maintained. This will require access to significant capacity of -of point-of-care testing, and rapid turnaround time, which is currently very limited. Don't we have stuff where they're turning around tests quickly all the time now? For the most part, it seems that way. I mean, I, you're hearing less and less about people taking weeks to get their uh, their results. 
Yeah. I still, There's a bunch more in this document, but I still maintain why I think it is. You guys might think it's wrong. I, I, obviously, the virus and and the things that come with it are a factor in all of these decisions. I mean, Greg Sankey gave an interview earlier today where he mentioned that it's not a given that they play, but they're pushing forward and trying. So it's obviously some kind of a factor, but I do think that they have decided that they are unwilling to disrupt their structure to do what it takes to put it on because the NFL is going to play. There is no difference in the game itself and the practice of playing in college football in the NFL. Now, the NFL players are much better, but they're playing the exact same game on the same field with the same number of players on the field, slightly different roster sizes, but the game's all the same. The NFL's going to play, in part because it is a business and the guys are getting paid a salary to do it, but also they're willing to go above and beyond to ensure that their professionals are safe. They're they're doing more, or can do more, than college football is willing to do. And I think the, the reason for that is to do the same thing for college football players that you do for NFL players would admit that they are different, and it would upset the structure. And I honestly believe that there are places that are willing to punt one season to preserve their structure instead of do what it takes to put it on and alter the model and give in to some of these demands and let everybody know that they are not just amateur students who happen to be good football players. I think that is a massive factor in this, and it's not getting talked about enough because that's what sports media does. But I think that's a major factor here. Did we see, you know, we saw Pac-12 United, we saw Big Ten United with all these demands. We didn't see SEC or ACC or Big 12 United. And that's that's what's going on here, is those conferences, their players didn't do those things. The other conferences did, and they like, and they're, 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 I understand the virus is a concern. Safety is a concern. But keeping this amateurism model and keeping the money where it is, I believe it's a bigger concern for the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Uh, Borky, I don't disagree with you. I do think it's important to delineate between the medical people and the people who may be thinking the way you are. Oh, right, the people yes. who are The people who are behind closed doors thinking the way you are are using the medical is- people as cover. They can, they can point to student welfare and health and safety, but, but again, I think they're doing themselves a disservice, and it's incredibly short-sighted because this issue isn't going away. The whole players uniting together thing. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll get to some of your messages on the C Spire text line. That number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. We'll take a time out and be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian. Hey, Dad, thanks for being with us on this Tuesday. 
Want to be part of the conversation? You can do so. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull, ceasefire.com. Uh, coming up a little bit later this afternoon on the Farm Bureau phone line, by the way, check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Cole Kubelik will join us, college football analyst with ESPN and the SEC Network and uh, co-host of Three Men Front on Jocks in Birmingham. Get his reaction to the news from the Big Ten, from the Pac-12, what he thinks about the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 all moving forward. So uh, that's coming up uh, one hour from right now. Um, we're getting close to the end of the eight-game play-in deal that the NBA is doing in the bubble in uh, in Orlando. Borky, does it feel like maybe maybe in fairness, I've been wrapped up in college football news and kind of paying attention to the baseball stuff and super plugged into the golf last weekend? But does it feel like the NBA has lost a little bit of its steam? Like in terms of interest over the last, I don't know, few days? Oh, a lot of teams have uh, sat starters. Uh, The last couple of games haven't really mattered so much. The playoff structure has really kind of been set. So there's your issue. I mean, uh, Philadelphia is sitting, I think, five guys today that are in their immediate rotation, including both of their stars. Well, well, Ben Simmons had to leave to go get surgery, so he's out for a while. But um, a lot of guys are sitting. The playoff structure has kind of already been set, so... Uh, not a lot of meaningful games at the moment. Hopefully it picks back up when the playoffs begin, but uh, you're seeing a lot of that right now. Yeah. Earlier today, San Antonio beat Houston, and so San Antonio continues to play well and make a push for one of those last two spots in the West. Brooklyn beat Orlando. Uh, Philadelphia is up on Phoenix at the end of the first quarter. Boston and Memphis play in a hugely important game tonight for the Memphis Grizzlies. Portland and Dallas. Dallas has played pretty well. New Orleans and Sacramento. New Orleans is mathematically done now. Is that correct? That is right. So they're sitting everybody, too. Uh, and they're also going to be uh, uh, firing their coach when they return from Orlando. That was a report okay. that came out last night. So he's a classy dude. It's sad, but that needed to be done. And you're right uh, as far as this being a huge game for Memphis because mm. being the eight seed, only having to win one game against the nine is a huge deal. They are now in wins tied with Portland, so if they lose tonight and Portland wins, they're in trouble. So a huge, huge game for Memphis here coming up. So the Eastern Conference playoff structure is set. Uh, Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, Pacers, Sixers, Nets, Magic. Those are the teams that are in in the Eastern Conference side of things. Western Conference, Lakers have clinched the... Uh, conference title. That is correct. Then it's the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Rockets, Oklahoma City, Utah, and Dallas. And remember, I mean, we're going to have a play-in deal for that last spot in the West. It's going to happen. Memphis currently one game ahead in the loss column of Portland, one game ahead in the win column of San Antonio, and Phoenix, who is undefeated in the bubble, has kind of come from nowhere to get within a game as well. Yeah, they've been the darling of this thing. I mean, 
And they play a fun style of basketball as well. Monty Williams is a good coach. And so that's what, when Draymond Green gets to sit up on the TNT set and say that they need to get Devin Booker out of Phoenix and go to somewhere where he can win because you can't do anything in Phoenix, uh, and then uh, they go and rattle off these wins in a row, and they've got a really nice young core and a good coach, and they're going to start yeah, winning Booker, here soon. Ayton. Yeah, they're going to be good. They're going. They're going to be good in the future. That's underscores a serious problem with that league is um, the encouragement of stars to not stay where they are. I mean, going into this season, Giannis was two years away from free agency, and that was the conversation going into the season. Is where does Giannis go in free agency? So why should the average fan want to watch the Bucks play, or, or even a Bucks fan want to care about their team when the whole conversation is he's leaving? So why would you get invested in them at all? It's stupid. Same thing here in Phoenix. Young core, really young core, talented team, good coach, building a culture that you can win with, and the narrative is get Devin Booker out. Well, why? He can win right where he is. Phoenix is a huge city. Let's not pretend he can't be marketable there. It's a big problem with that league. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, you know, at least with New Orleans, you got four more years of Zion, though, right? At least. <laughs> we'll see who they hire. I mean, it's all about who they hire. Uh, this yeah. is just need Portland out right now. That's all I'm, I'm yeah. focused on in the NBA. I want Portland out. I don't, Get that's Memphis. The, team. I don't the Lakers, want the Lakers will beat to... Memphis by 20 oh, for four games. The Lakers will crush Memphis. I don't want any part of Portland. And I just, I, I just, I feel nervous about that one. By the way, Memphis. Um, controls its fate in terms of they are still in the lead. They've got a game tonight against Boston and then a game on Thursday against Milwaukee. They win them both. They stay in the eighth spot. They only have to win one game against Portland or Phoenix or San Antonio, whoever it is. If they fall from the eighth spot to the ninth spot, then they've got to beat whoever's in the eight two times. And if they fall out of, I mean, they they could theoretically get passed by two or three teams and just be out of it altogether. Just pack up and head back to uh, back to Graceland. Yeah, they need to. They're banged up, man. I mean, just a string of bad luck. They started losing games, and then Jaron Jackson gets hurt on top of a couple of injuries that they had before the bubble started. It just they were always going to have a tough finish to begin with, but then when bodies started to fall, uh, it really got tough for them. But future is incredibly bright. Uh, for both Memphis and New Orleans nearby to us. Would love a little more context and would love to actually hear the words come out of Ray Anderson's mouth. Ray Anderson is the athletics director at Arizona State, and Adam Rittenberg at ESPN tweeted this a little while ago. He said, wow, Arizona State athletic director Ray Anderson emphatic that the school will play again on other schools from other leagues attempting to recruit Sun Devils athletes, his quote, have at it. What does that mean? Is he mad that the season got canceled, so he's just like, you know, forget it, have at it, because I don't blame you? Or is it a have at it and see what happens to you? Like, is it a threat or a concession? I do not know the answer to that. And that's why I said I'd love to hear what it sounded like when he said that and, you know, if there was any more context to it at all. Um, I mean, what does that even mean, though? Emphatic that the school will play again. Like, eventually? <laughs> like, Arizona State is not going to completely shutter its athletics department because they're canceling football this year? 
and fall sports. I mean, that's not surprising news to me. I don't think anybody really believes that, like, we're never going to have college sports again. Here's a question. Uh, So you know, because, of course, uh, SEC coaches, even with their season in doubt, have been on the phone nonstop trying to get in touch with Big Ten and Pac-12 players that they want, right? Like, that's happening. There's no way that's not. Let's pretend, just for the sake of it, Justin Fields wants to transfer to LSU. Is he granted Hmm. immediate eligibility? Not should he be, because that answer is yes. If his season gets canceled, he should be given eligibility to play somewhere else. Will Does he, he hire en- Tom Mars? I don't think he has to hire Tom Mars. I think he would be granted that eligibility. Justin so, Fields would be. I don't know about the rest. You know, It's going to depend on who they are and where they want to transfer to. Do you think you the NCAA well just- would basically allow two full conferences to have their best players go to the other three power conferences. Do you think they would let that happen? Because it would be roster decimation. Ohio State's entire roster would be recruited because all 85 kids on that roster have a place in the SEC. That's how well they recruit. Would the NCAA allow that to happen to the Big Ten or the Pac-12? Yeah, I, I don't know. And Borky, I mean, so 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 when you shut it down, you're supposed to have answers to all the questions that pop up, and they don't have those answers. Like there was a rush to shut it down, as opposed to a, a rush to let's try and iron out all the stuff, and then we'll make the announcement and have a very concise message. That didn't happen. Okay, so are you going to allow players the opportunity to transfer immediately? Are you going to grant another year of eligibility? Remember, that's what we did with the spring sports. Baseball and softball. And, I mean, what, what does that do to roster sizes? Are, are you going to waive the 85 scholarship limitation if you give an extra year of eligibility? You're going to do that for some leagues, but not for other leagues? Get a bunch of athletics directors from... Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12 that are giving comments, doing interviews, and it's kind of hard to keep up with some of them. Uh, Purdue Athletic Director Mike Mabinski said Purdue is not looking for another home. Our home is the Big 10, so Purdue not one of those programs that could theoretically be searching for another conference. Which, by the way, strikes me as incredibly far-fetched. I mean, fun talking point. Nebraska is not about to up and leave the Big 10 Unless they got some sort of deal from somebody else. That's a great statement from the Purdue Athletic Director. I'd also like to point out that I'm very happy in my marriage and not looking to hook up with Margot Robbie. <laughs> I'll throw that out there. Sanky did to say today Purdue. that... It was a very specific example you used there. She's good looking. Could, she is attractive. Couldn't Nebraska... Nebraska's different than Purdue, right? I mean, if yes. there was somebody looking, Nebraska could find a place, well, Ohio State but, but, could. Uh, but the Big 12 would take Nebraska back, I think. There's, yes, of course they would, but hold on a second. Hold on a second. The, the reason that th- I think this conversation is a non-starter, you you got you to gotta rewind like, what, six or seven years to when we were having all the conversations about conference realignment. You remember the term grant of rights? 
That that's that's your television rights. And when conferences sign programs in, programs hand over their tier one television rights. The the big games, all all that's going on, and. The Big Ten's not just going to say, sure, Nebraska, you can have your rights back. They might say, sure, Nebraska, you want to leave the Big Ten? Be our guest. We're still holding your television rights, which means you can't contribute anything from a television standpoint for another conference, and, oh, by the way, we're not going to pay you because you left the league. Or, yes, you can leave. We will charge you a $100 million exit fee. $100 million, that's insane. No, it's not insane. It's two years of our TV deal. So you can pay that and go not deal with TV revenue for a couple of years ago and hope that the Big 12 is willing to let you come back in. That That's why it has to go in you know cycles till the TV deals end and all of that stuff's up for renegotiation. I, that's to me, I mean, you think Big 10 is going to say, sure, Ohio State, go play in the SEC for a year. Well, we, we, we're going to get well, back into legalese then, aren't we? Uh, uh, you know, can the can Ohio State come back and say, "Hey, by canceling the football season, you did this and blah blah blah," and makes our deal null and void? Well, now that's okay. That's a reasonable question. No, no, actually, Big Ten Conference, you're in breach of contract. I'm not. We're ready to play. Yeah, you, you, you're what, the one that canceled the season, therefore putting our TV deal in peril and therefore breach of contract on your behalf, and we do have the right to leave. And whether or not it's uh, it's doable or not, I am positive there is some lawyer who will bill some hours to talk about it with you. I'm sure. Uh, Barry Alvarez, athletics director at uh, Wisconsin. On a Zoom call with reporters, he's raising a big issue. It's one that we were talking about earlier. Eligibility for NCAA athletes, he says that needs to be figured out. Yeah, it does. It's sort of it does. crazy that they went this direction without having an answer on that. I think it's ridiculous yeah. that they went this direction without an answer on that, but you know, you, it's not you think surprising. About, you think about basketball and baseball, those are sports where the NCAA has a lot more pull, right, because they run the championships for them. Yeah. This is college football. The NCAA could just say, no. Because we don't see a slice of the revenue from your from your playoff, so yeah. But the NCAA, I mean, the NCAA would be a bad still look, work but with the NCAA the lives with bad looks. They don't. Care. Yeah, they, they could, but I mean, any more animus between the NCAA and the Power Five leagues, not a good thing. So, kind of getting ahead of myself here, but let's say everybody has to shut down football for one reason or another. The Big Twelve decides, you know what, it's not worth it and ACC and the SEC follow. We will not have football again until September of 2021. Between now and then, or whenever the decision is made, is there a breakaway from the NCAA? I don't know. I don't think so, but... I feel like a lot of things are going to be realized during this situation in particular where it's just going to be over. Is this sort of like the birth of how the Longhorn Network led to all of this realignment? Is this the first seed planted that this happened and then five years later Ohio State's in the SEC? 
Because nothing says Southeastern Conference like Columbus, Ohio. We talked about it on 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 the podcast today. I twenty is the dividing line between the SEC North and the SEC South. You just rename the conference. Yeah, that's all you got to do. That's um, a lot. That's a lot of marketing. That's a lot of branding. There's a little bit of brand equity in those three letters. I'm they not just sure keep going to walk that. away from that. The sports yeah. excellence conference. A, that, bam! You just got it. That, that's it right there. <laughs> um, Barry Alvarez also said, um, "Not mincing words at all. There will be layoffs." says that he will try to avoid having to cut sports at Wisconsin. He says it has not been our discussions, and I hope that it stays that way. Here's an interesting quote from Mac Rhodes, athletic director at Baylor. Was it uh, Missouri before Baylor? He says, my sense is that if we voted today, talking about the Big 12, it would be really, really close. And and one of the national guys reported earlier, and then it was either – Jeff Ketchum or Craig Bowles, a couple of guys that cover Texas that responded, they were hearing the same thing. And I think we pointed to this earlier, right? Uh, small group that wants to play, small group that doesn't want to play, and a small group that wants to, de- to delay in terms of the Big 12. Um, John Wilner, Wilner Hotline on Twitter, covers the Pac-12 probably better than anybody else for the Mercury News. And he pointed this being from the Pac-12 Medical Advisors Report. He says it's anticipated, the the report said this, it's anticipated that over the next few months, rapid point-of-care tests will become more available. Close quote. And then pointed out that there is no chance of spring football without accurate point-of-care testing. There's no chance of spring football either way. Man, it's not it's not happening. I think it's a lie. I think they know it's not happening, and they're just saying that to try to preserve rosters and, and other things. It's not happening. Coaches are adamantly – I've not seen one coach come out in favor of a spring football season. And look, as if we were to play a spring football season, what are we talking about? Six games? Eight games? Well, then what's the point of that, though? From a revenue standpoint, oh, you just you nailed it. It's from a revenue standpoint to try and recruit something, something. Try and get some play, of your TV money. Try and get some of your players. attendance. Because the the top guys aren't going to play in the spring. Justin Fields isn't going to play in the spring. He's going to go to the NFL. Any, and at, at the end of the day, I mean, the fan out there, they don't care who wears your team's uniform. I mean, they probably won't show up to the games. We saw, you know. Ole Miss last year. Uh, people didn't show up to the games, but they still love their team and watch their team regardless of who's wearing the uniform. So at least there would be something there without Justin Fields. People in Ohio are still going to care about uh, Ohio State football. But it, by if we have a spring season that's six games that starts in March or February, damage has been done already, and those six games won't reverse that. Sorry, I was trying to track down something. South Delta School District, I believe that's in Greenville, has canceled all fall sports and activities due to coronavirus safety concerns. That was tweeted by 
the Delta Sports, which says covering the full range of sports in the Mississippi Delta and from Greenville. So different angle there, obviously, than uh, what's happening at the collegiate landscape. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Quinn says, spring football season not happening if they want to pick up next fall. Um, should I read this one, Borky, about us talking sports and leaving politics nope. out? Nope, nope. Oh, okay. you can read it. Why not? I might read it myself before I actually uh, read it out loud. Brian and Clarksdale says the NCAA has been real quiet about all these COVID decisions. I'm glad. The NCAA, this is from Scott and Clinton, grants an extra year to players in conferences that didn't play. Wouldn't they have to give it to the players who did play? Yeah. See, to me, I kind of think that's the case. Because how are you going to have some Division One program programs with 85 scholarships in terms of a limit, and then another one maybe that's got 98 players on scholarship? That doesn't work. Watching yeah. an interview that Kirk Herbstreit was doing during the uh, during the break, and he just echoed something that I saw a couple of times from people that have covered the Big Ten for a long time, saying yesterday. Yeah, Kevin Warren is the new guy in town, right? The the new commissioner. Came from the NFL. And I've had people that have had dealings with him tell me that, you know, this guy is very much gonna do it my way, has that kind of aura of being the smartest guy in the room, a little bit of a lone ranger. Get in line, this is what we're doing. I, I've never had any interaction one on one with him, so I don't know that to be a fact, but some people who have say, you know, that's kind of it's kind of the perception, the aura that he gives off. Jim Delaney was the commissioner of the Big Ten for a really long time. And Jim Delaney had the Mike Slive aura about him. Could kind of come across publicly in the elder statesman role, would you know say what needed to be said, but behind closed doors, he could keep everybody in line. He could whip the votes. He could do exactly what he needed to do, and everybody would march to the exact same beat. Uh, no, no wiggle room for anybody. Jim Delaney's out, new guy in. And the point that these people that have covered the Big Ten were making for a long time is that they have never seen on any sort of an even reasonably important decision members of the Big Ten come out and voice their displeasure or their dissent toward the overall league decision. And you had it with James Franklin at Penn State. You had it with Scott Frost in Nebraska. Not to mention the statement today from the president, the system president, the AD, and Scott Frost at Nebraska. You got Jim Harbaugh penning a letter to ESPN or wherever it went, where, where he said, no, these are the reasons we should play. And then Ohio State coming out very, very publicly saying, and we disagree. That's just, that that hasn't happened. That is an altogether different look for a conference that, whether you like the Big Ten or not, they've always had it together. 
you know, it's the wealthiest conference that's out there financially. It's not significantly more so than the SEC. But when it comes down to it, if you're adding numbers, you know, the Big Ten's TV deals a few million more a year than the SEC's is. When you extrapolate that over 14 teams plus the conference share, you're talking, you know, tens of millions more. It's just an interesting look. And I will be curious if the SEC, regardless of which way the decision goes, will there be dissenting voices that become very public if the SEC shuts it down? Are you going to have multiple universities, whether it's coaches or ADs or whatever, come out and say they did this against our wishes? If the SEC says we're going to plow forward, we're going to play, are you going to have a couple of dissenting votes that say, look, we think this is a terrible idea? Those that think it's a bad idea do not have to play. Hey, just throwing this out there as an example, I mean, maybe they don't vote this way, but let's say Vanderbilt is a dissenting voice. The SEC votes to move forward, but Vanderbilt is one that says no. They don't have to play. It's not like anybody would miss them anyway, but if you really think it's unsafe, don't play. Stand behind your principles. Just like that guy that I mentioned yesterday in the Dennis Dodd story that said what we're doing is unfair to our student-athletes. Well, then, don't do it to them anymore. Be a leader. Use your integrity that you say you have and make the right decision for your people that you think is right, but otherwise, shut up. If they make a decision that goes against yours and you're going to be vocal about it, then pull your team out of competition. If not, shut up. It's really that simple. Um, did you guys see this on Twitter? Tony Casillas, College Football Hall of Famer, retired NFL player, saying that Oklahoma players have been sent home and the Big 12 is going to make a decision shortly to cancel the season. That just flies in the face of all the reporting that's out there. Sent home especially. It, like, sent home from the facility or sent home yeah, to I, where they came? I, I don't know. What about the whole Michigan practice today? So are we just going to keep – we're just going to leave a, a training and practice – program schedule in place in perpetuity until a season actually happens at 20 hours a week? Again, goes back to what I said, that everything is going to stay the same for these student-athletes, except they won't get to play a game. And I think it was Cole Kublik, who we're going to talk to in a little bit, who said, he just tweeted, seven-month seven training camp, who's excited? I mean, generally speaking, players don't love spring football. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you think you're going to have an inspired football team after they spent all summer getting prepared for this fall. And that's what they did. I mean, there was COVID and stuff, but you think that they're going to show up to workouts for 20 hours a week and be inspired and and keep working and care about not going to parties and stuff to make sure they don't infect others? Yeah, good luck. I feel bad for whatever cupcake Ohio State plays in week one next year, (laughs) next fall. 
Jay Billis tweets, do any time now a blue black uh, blue background statement from the NCAA saying we stand in full support of our membership putting the student athlete first and we didn't make that decision. They did. <laughs> it's very on brand for Jay Billis. This is funny. Spurrier was on the phone with somebody. Said the SEC and ACC should just play their seasons and winners can face off for the national title because one conference of them was going to win it anyway. It's true. I mean, he's not wrong, is he? I mean, Ohio if State big, was going to have a say so. Well, if, if the Big 12 was plays, right? And then let's just say in a regular season, I told you the playoff was Oklahoma, Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama. You buy that, right? Well, Ohio State must have just, must have just missed out. Could be no difference. I do want to ask Cole because I know he said you can't do the whole two in one thing, the the two seasons in one calendar year. I want him to take us a little bit deeper on that. Is it offensive lineman that can't do it? Is it defensive lineman that can't do it? I mean, quarterbacks could do it, right? Wide receivers, defensive backs. I mean, skill is is it is it the bigger guys or is it everybody? Do you have a thought on that? I mean, it probably doesn't hurt the punters, but everybody who's taking hits, I mean, yeah, you need that time. Running, I mean, a running back who carries the ball 250 to 300 times in a, in a season, they need that time off to recuperate. Lineman, obviously, is an obvious but linebackers are the same way. I mean, linebackers take as many, you know, square-up shots from, from 350-pounders as the defensive linemen do. So it's, it's, it's all over the place. Kevin wants to know on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed if the Big Ten football teams could say to heck with the conference and just play as independents like Notre Dame or start their own conference and call themselves the Independent Ten. I mean, I, I don't – we kind of outlined some of this earlier. I think there's just I, – I don't know the answer to that because I don't know what the contracts say. I don't know what the legalese is. You know, is canceling a season a breach of a contract that the conference has with individual members? It just, that just seems unlikely to me, and and – I'm not being flippant, and I'm certainly not talking down when I say this because we've kicked around the idea as well. But I think that's I think that's reactionary fan talk and maybe even reactionary coach talk. We're frustrated, we're mad right now. We say, oh, we'll go play in another league. Nah, I'm not sure your president and your AD are going to sign off on that, ultimately. Unless you're in Nebraska. We got a statement from the ACC. The ACC will continue to make decisions based on medical advice, inclusive of our medical advisory group, local and state health guidelines, and do so in a way that appropriately concedes with our university's academic missions. The safety of our student staff and overall campus communities will always be our top priority, and we are pleased with the protocols being administered on our 15 campuses. They included Notre Dame there. We will continue to follow our process that has been in place for months and has served us well. We understand the need to stay flexible and prepared to adjust as medical information and the landscape evolves. The ACC is undisturbed by today's news. Yeah, I've had some people say, well, when's the SEC going to make a statement? I don't think they're going to make a statement. 
I mean, maybe something like that. But as far as an announcement of, well, they made an announcement last week of who the new cross-division opponents were. And the week before that, they made an announcement, or maybe it was early in the week, they made an announcement of when the season was going to begin. I think no announcement is a good thing if you're following the SEC or the ACC. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will wrap up the 4 o'clock hour next with you. No announcement from the SEC, but a statement from Commissioner Greg Sankey. By the way, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we will play you some of what he had to say on the Dan Patrick Radio Show. Uh, We'll do that after we talk with Cole Kubelik when we get to the college football fix at 20 minutes after 5. That's coming up. Cole will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Here's the statement from the uh, commission, the SEC. I look forward to learning more about the factors that led the Big Ten and Pac-12 leadership to take these actions today. I remain comfortable with the thorough and deliberate approach that the SEC and our 14 member uh, members are taking to support a healthy environment for our student-athletes. We will continue to further refine our policies and protocols for a safe return to sports as we monitor developments around COVID-19 in a continued effort to support, educate, and care for our student-athletes every day. And Borky, when I read that in the break, I uh, I immediately quoted my favorite line from the movie The Legend of Bagger Vance. You know, when they uh, got all the folks to pull their cars up to the edge of the golf course and turn the lights on so they could keep playing in the dark. And the uh, the old man said, play will continue, at least for now. And according to Dennis Dodd, and as we m- mentioned yeah. many times, consider the Thanks. source. Um, the Big 12 is leaning towards uh, continuing on. Uh, the, the, the idea that they were going to cancel apparently is losing momentum, that they are looking at uh, a delayed start which is okay. And if the SEC and the ACC have to push it back a couple more weeks to get everything right, so be it. That's fine. But making the decision today, I still don't quite understand. Making the decision at all, I can wrap my mind around it. But having to end it today, when your peers are being more pragmatic and saying, hey, you know, let's give ourselves more time. Wait till students really get back on campus, see what we got. See if our protocols hold up. So we'll start the season in late September instead of late August. Let's do that. Making the decision today still doesn't make sense to me. Because the SEC, I'm sure, Richard, you would know more than me, but I'm sure they'd be willing to start two weeks later than they're currently scheduled if that's what it took. Mm-hmm. You've got what the- if the trend lines continue the way they are right now? You start looking at those... CDC graphs and the state health department graphs, and they're all trending down. They're not where they need to be. They're moving in the right direction. National numbers are moving in the right direction, despite what Kevin Warren told you today. Numbers in Mississippi are moving in the right direction. And what a welcome sight that is. And that's a welcome sight, whether we're talking about college football or not. Yep, absolutely. Move in the right direction. And it needs to keep going. But you have so many things in your favor right now. Believe it or not, even though it's about to be mid-August, they still have time. Time is still in their favor at the moment. They're running out of it, but they still have it. Your protocols so far have worked. 
I mean, there has been some outbreaks in college football, and in most places, ask LSU, directly tied to a party. Ed Ordron said, frankly, they're not going to parties anymore. Since then, no outbreak at LSU. Has there been an outbreak in Oxford or in Starkville? A real outbreak. An outbreak would be, no. There have been some positive cases at both schools, yeah. but no, nothing you would consider an outbreak. Kentucky's had no positives. Alabama had a couple uh, when the players returned. Haven't heard anything since. Maybe the protocols are working, so you've got a little Nick bit of Saban time. Nick said yesterday that since July 4th when Alabama returned, they have a 2% positivity rate among their team. And aren't those directly tied back to the 4th of July break and them doing things for the 4th that they probably shouldn't have been doing? Probably so. So you have a little bit of time and flexibility because you're only dealing with your conference teams now. So you can start the season whenever you can. You don't have to work with anybody else now. So you have time, you have flexibility, and you have the NFL. You have a football league that is going to start before you. So you can learn and watch and figure out what works and what doesn't and educate yourself. All those things are in their favor. So making a decision today does not make sense. But the Big Ten and the Pac-12 did it anyway. They did. But they made the decision last week. Yeah. They just got around to making it public today. Um, I don't think it's coincidence that you got a statement from the ACC and a statement from the SEC within minutes of each other. That was coordinated. Also, isn't the Big 12 meeting supposed to wrap up at 5? So maybe they know something that we don't. That's right. It's ADs that are meeting in the Big 12 right now, and then ADs and presidents have a meeting later this evening. Is that right? It could be right. That, that I don't know, but I do know. I'm, I was pretty sure about the 5 o'clock uh, meeting wrapping up. So. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Two hours in the books. Cole Kubelik will join us on the Farm Bureau, uh, Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, coming up in just a few minutes. One hour left on this Tuesday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm, 5 o'clock hour with you on this Tuesday. Kind of a busy day, on the heels of a busy day, on the heels of a busy weekend. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, we welcome in Cole Kublik, college football analyst with uh, ESPN SEC Network and co-host of Three Man Front on Jocks in Birmingham. Cole, it's rare that I start an interview where I don't even know what to ask. Like, like there's so much to consume right now, I don't even really know where we start. Uh, let's just start with the fact that you had one of the most powerful entities in college football make a decision that did not need to be made for at least another month and another entity in college football that has probably wanted to make this decision for a month and was too scared to do it on their own and uh, completely followed suit. I mean, just literally, you know, followed the uh, follow big brother down, down the hole and, now we've got two Power Five conferences that are not going to play college football this fall, and I, I, I question whether we're going to see them play football again until the fall of 2021. The idea, I mean, they, they've both thrown out the possibility of a spring league. I think we talked, I don't know, six weeks ago and, and just kind of kicked that out there, and you said it, you, you just can't do it. 
Take me a little deeper on that, on the physical toll and why it is that you can't, even if it's a condensed season, play February, March, April, May, and then turn around and play again starting in September. Well, I think you can do it. It's just what do you want to sacrifice to do it? And, you know, the, the, the sacrificing two for one, I, I don't know how good that is for business. Now, you know, people behind the scenes are going to look at it, Richard, and say, you got to get something in this fiscal year to, to at least get a portion of that television, television revenue money because that's going to flow to you until the next year. And then hopefully you can climb back and, you know, find a way to, to actually make money again, which none of these schools are making money this year if they don't play football. Um, I, I think the way the way that you could pull it off would be to have a condensed season. You compress it, and obviously you're going to back off of what you do in practice. You're going to back off what you do, especially in full pads and contact. And then you're not going to have an, a spring ball again because you just had a spring season. You're going to probably have to force them to give guys extra time off after the season and in the summer and before you play again. So I don't, I, I, there's not necessarily a lot of forced, just flat time off right now. And I think, I think you'd have to put some of that in. And then I don't really think you could start the season until October the 1st um, of 2021. And you're probably condensing that a little bit as well. I, I've always thought there was room on the back end of the season. Um, you know, I've always thought that we really do waste some really good windows after championship Saturday. And, you know, some of the bowl games start up, but what do we usually have, like 13, 16 days in there? Uh, I always thought that was kind of a waste. And maybe you bump the season to, you know, take you through most of December, and then you go right to the playoff. I mean, let's be honest. These teams have been playing. They don't need – 28 days to get ready for the college football playoff. They, they sure. know what they are. If you want to give them a week or two off before you start it, that's great. But, you know, then I, I think, too, if you're looking at starting in October and because of, because of what you haven't had, and that is going to be padded contact practices, you haven't had a ton of those, I, I think you may be impacting 2022 also. And we might not see that from the amount of games but you may see that from a practice schedule perspective. And I think what we really will, we'll never really be able to measure it, but what we're probably going to see the greatest factor of this is, it's going to be just the development of football overall. And you know, you're, you're not going to have the amount of time to work on blocking and tackling that you need. Now you're missing a spring ball. You're missing a fall. You might try to compress something into the spring. If you do that, then that means you don't have spring practice again, which is where you really do develop hmm. and hit and be physical and learn how to block and tackle. So that's two of those consecutively that are taken away. And then you're going to get whatever the, whatever the spring season is, you're tiptoeing into that if you're a coach. And then you're tiptoeing into the next fall. So the development of blocking, tackling, physicality, that's – uh, we're going to be way behind. We're already behind because we can't have two a days anymore. You have to have however many days in between padded practices. You can only have whatever it is, five or six full contact practices before you go into a season. I mean, the list goes on and we're going to take all of that lack of development that we have right now. And then we're just going to fast forward that light years ahead. So yeah, 2022, 2023, 2024, 
we're still going to see the impact and it's probably going to be in development. And the other part that you're going to see is, is roster management. What are we doing with these rosters? Are you going to, uh, can, if we have a spring season, can early enrollees play? If a kid graduates high school and shows up in January and you start in February, can he play? It's a great question. I, I, the amount of kids that are going to sit out, I mean, the amount of kids that are going to sit out, you're probably going to need it. And you're going to have to allow teams to go get players somewhere. And then I think you're going to, it's going to be waiver city on the kids who do play, whether it's this fall in other leagues or whether it's in the spring. It's, everybody's getting a waiver. Anybody that wants one, get, I mean, we had a lawyer on my show today uh, down in Florida that has already sent out precautionary letters basically saying that they're going after every bit of eligibility from this fall. And I said, wait a second. I understand if you get a game or two that's canceled. Or if they play three games and shut it down. Yeah, you want that year back. I get it. And it shouldn't even count as a red shirt. You should just get it back. He's saying, no, no, no. I said, I said it, it sounds like you just want a free year for everybody. And he said, well, I wouldn't necessarily word it that way. But, yes, because of how unfair this year is going to be and the lack of opportunity based on previous years that this year's players are not going to have, we think they should all have an extra year of eligibility. But, I don't but, agree but with Cole, that. But we, I do believe that, go down that everybody that's going to want an extra year is going to get it. And, and if you go down that road, 85 scholarships now become what? 98, 107? I mean, you have to add, I mean, I I would think you, yeah, you're going to lose some kids going to the draft. You're going to have some kids that shut it down. You're going to have some injuries, whatever. uh, There's going to be a natural attrition, but I almost think you have to take your 85 and just add a signing class to it. I mean, you're you're going to at least 105, 110, and here's the problem with that. That natural attrition doesn't always take place to the degree that we think it will. So when do those numbers naturally back off? Because you're still signing kids every year. And maybe not every year. You've got to allow for like a four-year cycle for that to happen. Absolutely. At least. I mean, are we going to get two years down the road and then say, we're going back to 85, and then Jeremy Pruitt and Mike Leach and Nick Saban have to tell 10 or 12 kids on their team, like, you're, you're gone. Sorry, yeah. you're cut. We can't do that. So the, the, the numbers game is going to be fascinating to watch, not just next year, but like you said, for the next probably four or five years. Cole, the SEC has shown a great deal of patience in this process. They, they've been willing to push things back and kind of wait and see and not rush to decisions. That's not the case with the Big Ten. We've seen Kevin Warren, and Warren kind of wanting to be out front and be the first guy to make a decision. It seems like finally we've got the ACC and the SEC in lockstep. Are, are you one that believes that whether or not we play this fall hinges on what the Big 12 ultimately decides, or are you giving up on it at this point, all of it? Oh, I'm not giving up on it, no. Um, I'll fight for college football until the day I die. Um, yesterday, if, if I was on your show at this exact time yesterday, I would have said that the future of college football for the fall of 2020 is in the lap of the ACC. Because I really did think then, Richard, that the SEC, if they had the ACC in a group of five or two or three, even if it were just pieces of those group of five leagues, like if it was 
three quarters of Conference USA, if it was seven teams in the Sun Belt, and maybe half the American that you could go and you'd be you'd be good. You could do it. And now I I I think maybe my mind has changed on that a little bit and I would lean more towards what you're saying in that I think the ACC is is about as in sync with the SEC as they have been through this entire process right now. And I don't know if that's enough. I really don't. Hmm. I I think you may be more right than I was yesterday, today, in that it's going to take the Big 12 saying, yes, we're going to go play. My information is that they won't make a decision today, which is smart. Push it out. This thing could start first or second week of October. It's not. This is not imminent of this very day, this very moment, this very hour, this very minute. Let's gather information. Let's look at it. Let's talk to more professionals. Let's get more people involved. Let's get more data. Let's see how other teams and other leagues handle their business, maybe even at different levels. And then let's make a decision. It does not have to be done today. But I am more in line with you today than I was yesterday that, yes, the the Big 12 most likely has to happen for us to get any Power 5 football this fall. Always enjoy our visits, Cole. Time's always too short. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks, Richard. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Appreciate Cole Kubelik visiting with us. Some interesting things that he said on the Farm Bureau phone line that uh, he thinks that you know, the, the impact of playing a spring season, like the, the ripple effects could extend out as far as 2024. And it's just because... Okay, you push this year back to the spring, which means you've got to push next year back to April. And in addition to this past spring not having spring ball, you wouldn't have spring ball next year. And you got roster management issues, and it just kind of goes and goes and goes. Which is, you know, a really long term way of looking at that. Um, said yesterday he thought that uh, the ACC kind of held college football in its hands. But he thinks it's got to be more than just the SEC and the ACC now, as we sit here today. And we're going to have to kind of wait and see what comes out of the Big 12. I mean, at this point, isn't the Big 12 pushing things back? Isn't that a win? That is, yes. Yeah, big time. Just don't cancel it. You don't, I mean, Big 12's got some games scheduled for August 29th. Probably need to say, yeah, we're not going to play games on August 29th. But, Feels like they need to make that decision today, though, right? Is not just hey, we're going to de- going to delay the decision, but also provide a target date, or is that asking too much? Mm. Like, hey, we're not going to start on August 29th. Our goal is to start on September 29th or whatever falls on a Saturday. I mean, don't you still have the ACC scheduled to start September? Oh, what is it? Twelfth? And with their eleven plus one model? Right. We'll see on that too. Uh wanna get to the uh the conversation that Dan Patrick had with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey this morning that was uh, on the Dan Patrick show. Uh is some of this may be a little dated now because it happened eight hours ago. 
so you'll just uh, you'll just bear with us. But some of it is uh, is fairly evergreen. And we'll just kind of start out, kind of a general question from Dan Patrick to Greg Sankey about uh, how the commissioner feels today, given all that's gone on. No, it's a roller coaster ride uh, today. Probably uh, better. We had uh, some really healthy dialogue with athletics directors and with our presidents and chancellors. Really, information because we've made decisions to avoid some of the time pressures that I, I sense others are feeling. We've not had our players in helmets and pads for full practices. We've spread our preseason preparation out. We've moved our kickoff back to allow our universities to get back uh, to kind of their normal fall semester order, give some time to think for things to settle out. So, uh, you know, I felt good on Friday and then a little bit of tumult over the weekend. And we're going to keep working day to day to see if we can uh, provide opportunities for student athletes to compete. Dan Patrick asked a question based on what some of the Big Ten coaches said yesterday about, uh, hey, let's go find another league. Uh, Is there any chance of adding anybody else, any other team, to the SEC schedule? We're focused on our 14 members and and our 10 games because what we've really done is to create uh, kind of a quasi-bubble on our campuses for our teams to be healthy and supported really well and a quasi-bubble with our conference schedule. And by moving later really than anyone had at the time, uh, to give those campus uh, locales and communities the opportunity to welcome students back, which is what we do, by the way. It's this educational thing, despite what the cynics may think. Uh, we could then start later and control the ability to play. And, and Dan, that's been our focus. I, I was um, uh, amused a little bit by the amount of activity about who was playing whom in my league, and I really wasn't aware that was taking place. This question that uh, the Nick Saban brought up yesterday about the idea of players being more safe within the football bubble, if you will, than being outside of that, are they safer playing football? Well, I, th- I certainly think we can make a case and have made a case that they're in a much more healthy situation, working out in our facilities with medical care, with, with health protocols around COVID in this new environment, compared to go lift weights at your local gym with who knows who's overseeing you, what, what kind of health expectations, what kind of workouts, what kind of monitoring. I think that's really without a doubt. What we're continuing to do is to support the healthy return of competition. So we've had a busy few weeks. The NCA has issued some national expectations. Last Friday, we announced uh, health protocols that go beyond what the NCA said is, is minimums. Uh, we're looking at third-party testing opportunities so that we can have independence, common reporting, common testing. A uh, l- lot of uh, work to achieve that, but certainly a, a, a part of making football viable. And, and our, our medical advisory group has said, yes, we, we can continue to go forward. Were that advice to change, certainly would be a stopping point, but the indicators are, the, the indicators are we, can, we can right now do what we're doing in a healthy way and we're going to continue to to consider that central issue health as we move forward uh, we hope towards competition with no assurances that that actually will take place let's pause there for a second you know the the return to play committee the medical advisors that they're getting remember when they gave us the list of those I mean, it was, it was 14 names. Like, every school had a representative that served as one of the medical advisors, and it, it spanned from team medical directors to an epidemi, uh, epidemiologist at, uh, at Missouri and, and kind of all points in between. 
it, it feels like there's no opportunity. And you guys correct me if, if you think I'm off base on here. The opportunity for just one rogue doctor to say, oh, it's safe to play, go for it. Like, just jam it through. There's a pretty significant set of checks and balances in place if you've got 14 medical professionals who are kind of shaping what they believe is the best course of action medically for the entire conference. Does that make sense? It does. And the suggestion that uh, these doctors are bought and paid for by the league, putting their entire life's work on the line to lie to save football is an absurd assertion, and I've seen that a lot. Not just from randoms. I've seen that assertion, and it's absurd. And now you've got two leagues that have medical advisory boards in the ACC and the SEC that, at least at this point, it could change between now and September 26th. It could change between now and Friday. But as it stands right now, with the information available to them right now, they're saying, we think you're okay to proceed as long as you proceed within these parameters. Um, Greg Sankey uh, asked by Dan Patrick, will the season start on time? It is. Uh, we we announced uh, two new opponents, so uh, I, I thought the world would be happy about the SEC finally playing 10 conference games. There's probably debate <laughs> about that. Um, and now it's just, you know, placement and, and trying to configure a schedule for flow to create some open weeks that might have value if you have to reschedule games. Uh, the plan is to use December 12th as a common open week. Uh, before our championship game would be played on December 19th, that common open week in case we have to to reschedule due to in-season disruption. Hmm. A very confident it is to start that. Do, um, do you guys anticipate us getting the schedule with dates on it this week? <laughs> is that too much to ask now? That would be a really big middle finger to the the, the Big Ten and the uh, the Pac-12, in my opinion. So you're for it, right? Yes, 100%. Oh, yeah. Call it a wild guess. I still anticipate an October start. I said that months ago, just as a wild guess, and it's still a wild guess today. I think there might be another small delay for the start of the season. That's just a guess on my part, but that's what it feels like to me. So right now we're scheduled to begin the season on September 26th. You could go one week later to the first week of October, October 3rd, or you could push it back two more weeks and take it to October 10th. If you start October 10th, that gives you four Saturdays in the month of October. You have four more Saturdays in the month of November. You can play the 5th and the 12th. Now, that wouldn't give you an open date. And obviously there was... A need for an open date within the course of the schedule. Championship game on the nineteenth, either. You can move that if you want to. There's no playoff to worry about anymore. Yeah, that's no, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it goes to January second or January ninth. Who knows? Into February. I mean, stretch it out, man. I saw your buddy New Year's Day. Let's do it. (laughs) Saw your buddy Peter Burns say, "Stretch it out. Start in October. Stretch it out. Ten games over fifteen weeks and play into February." I mean, why not? I, I do think you? there. I, I do think there's one fly in the ointment with that idea, and who knows what the virus looks like in December. But the idea of sending everybody home for a week or two at Christmas, oh yeah, and then bringing them back 
and kind of having to start the whole testing and quarantining all over, I think you'd like to get it done before Christmas if possible. If possible. We're turning a second to a couple more comments that Greg Sankey made on the Dan Patrick Show, but uh, how about a little breaking news from the National Football League? The NFL, according to Tom Pelissero, just informed clubs that the prohibition on tryouts has been lifted immediately. So perhaps an expectation you're going to see a bunch of free agent signings in the pretty near future. Today, is still looking for a home. Yeah. Not to be lost in this news, the NFL is proceeding as planned. Oh, yeah. That, that was always something that it wasn't blind confidence. It was just you knew that they were going to find a way to make this happen. It helps that they're professionals, of course. Yeah. Pro sports leagues are back. The college ones are, are not. But pro sports where they, can, where they have unions and protection and things of that nature, they're back. That's going to continue. I, for one, am excited for a lot of Saints talk this year. Does this mean I'm like the Saints beat writer if the SEC can't? Can, do I need to go to New Orleans? Just put me up in a hotel for four months? That's going to be a heck of an expense report. I'll go ahead and tell you. I'm going to eat really good. Nose goes, oh, beat you. Sorry. <laughs> I don't even know what you said. What did you say? Nose goes? Oh, that's that's before your time. I guess I'm. Uh, you guys are, are too old. It's to... before my time? Or after your time, I guess, is what I should have said. Um, nose goes? You guys have never heard of that before? Is that like a shotgun kind of thing? Where it's you like... call it? Have you ever seen the show Community? No. Okay. Well, let's say that you're in a like a third-story apartment, and you guys have ordered pizza. And the pizza guy calls and says, hey, I'm downstairs. He has to be let in. Everybody puts their finger on their nose at once, and the last person to do it has to go get the thing. Uh... Nose goes. So... If there's something that somebody has to go do, you, you have to stay put a finger to the nose. The show, all right, and you, you can't you can't leave Jackson. You're 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 where you are. Guys, the answer on either of you going to New Orleans to cover the Saints is uh, nose goes, or just no. Our listeners are just going to suffer, I guess. There's a lot of Saints fans around here, man. I I go to bars all over. The Jackson Metro area. I'm not area questioning on that at all. We'll talk I'll, about it plenty, but you're not going to New Orleans to cover. I them. will split my time between New Orleans and Nashville. Then we'll we'll cover the Titans equal coverage. Yeah, do the Again, Cowboys I, too? Because I think you're missing the point. I'll, I'll I'll do a Cowboys game. That's no problem. Let's go back to Greg Sankey, and let's still hope that we get college football. Um, I, I'm interested to hear what he said about this on whether or not conferences, other conferences ending their seasons means they care more, which is kind of rich from the, it just means more league. Certainly. And, you know, in the Southeastern conference, we certainly compete, but we educate, uh, we care and we support. If we cannot compete, we will educate, care and support, but we do that every day, whether we compete or not. We've been doing it since March. And I think that, that message is clear right now. We've not been playing games, uh, but we've been educate, educating, caring, and supporting. And I don't think 
there are quite the number of absolutes that perhaps others do in this world. We have never tried to, to do what we're doing in a COVID environment. It's simply another variable and a multivariable uh, environment for us. And whatever we do, we're going to do safely. We're going to do in the most healthy way possible. That may mean some have to make decisions, whether it's support, whether it's the infrastructure they have. I think we have the capacity uh, to support well. But again, we're going to go kind of day by day and make sure that that's in place because fundamentally, while we want to compete, we are not going to walk away from educating, caring, and supporting young people. And that's been the drum that he has continued to beat, that as long as that is your mission and you keep that at the forefront, it will influence the other decisions that you make. What about liability? That's a number, uh, a word that's been thrown around a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. Liability, lawsuits, this is what presidents and commissioners are most concerned about. What does he say about liability? Yeah, and I'm always careful not to speak for my colleagues. Uh, We've been, in fact, I've been in front of a Senate committee uh, and visited with senators individually about liability waivers. We we had some. Those have been uh, removed by our institutions uh, to allow uh, individuals a couple of things. One, Anyone who's not comfortable playing can opt out. We've said very clearly a month ago, we'll keep your scholarship and your place on the team. Um, I expect this week the NCA will deal with eligibility questions around the ability to opt out and continue to have your season of eligibility. We've also provided information on a continuing basis. We, we had our football student athlete leadership council on an hour and a half video conference with very open and honest question and answers that ended up in the Washington Post. I think that's the responsibility we have with no apologies. And on our campuses, they've had continual Zoom calls with people, with parents trying to educate and inform. We've encouraged student athletes who have asked us questions, go back to your campus medical health professionals and ask them. And we've encouraged our presidents and athletics directors to make sure information is, is put out. So we've tried to provide as much information, uh, certainly liability and our obligations are a part of our, our, our consideration, but really that's an emphasis on care and education and support, which again is what we've done on a regular basis. Again, this was Commissioner Greg Sankey on the Dan Patrick Show earlier. Final thing from Greg Sankey, Dan Patrick said, uh, Commish, could you talk us off the ledge? Well, first of all, it is abundantly important, particularly in the part of the country where our universities are located, that those college football fans are part of solving the problem, the health problem. And that's the responsibility for, for masking, for hygiene, for social distancing, for being uh, doubly, triply attentive to one's own health care and those around them and their health situation so that we can slow the spread. So I'd say if you want to walk back off the ledge, first think about your own personal responsibility, and then second, the responsibility of all of those football fans around you. Uh, I actually just watched a video one of my ADs sent to me from a, a team leader at Ohio State University. You're probably not supposed to admit to that when you're in the SEC, but he was talking to his teammates about, about all he's done, sacrifice, given up, and not going to clubs and not going out and and focusing on your own individual health is pretty small in comparison to what, what our young men have to do to play football. So we ought to all be a part of that. Um, I, I keep in mind that we haven't made uh, final, final decisions. There's still some time, but we have set a start date. I'd be encouraged by that if I were a college football fan. We announced opponents. I'd be encouraged by that. We announced medical care guidelines. That's encouraging. 
Um, we're still here today. You know, on Sunday, it was all over if I read social media and lived by it. But we're still here and we're going to keep working to see if we can move it along because uh, what's been told to me by, by young men on our team is they want an opportunity. They want a safe and healthy opportunity, but they want an opportunity to compete. And if we can do that, we will. That was Greg Sankey with uh, Dan Patrick. Any of that encouraging to you? No, I mean <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of word salad. I mean he he's not he's certainly not going to come out and say he he's just he's just keeping everybody afloat. He's just you know dragging us along. Yeah, I, I believe he thinks we're that they're going to play, and I think they're going to play. But nothing he said made me feel any better about that. So Borky, you are you are in the camp of they are going to play, but you think it is going to be. October 3rd or October 10th when it starts. Yeah, just a gut feeling. I think in order to appease the Big 12 and the ACC have a universal start date, if the Big 12 is on the delay train, we're not ready to start just yet, but we're not ready to make a call. Well, hey, here's what we'll do. We'll move our season back to. We'll delay ours a couple weeks, give ourselves an even bigger window so you guys are more comfortable so you can start with us. Because we get the, the person that asks, well, why does the SEC need other leagues um, in order for them to play. Why can't they play by themselves? And Dan did ask Greg about that. The audio, for some reason, when I was recording it, did not record that answer very well at all, so it wasn't worth uh, playing on air. But Sankey's answer was, we could, but at that point, we shouldn't. So they could play by themselves. It, they do need other leagues to stand with them, or else it would create a problem. I mean, it, w- it would create an optical problem, but it also... Again, if I'm going back and we're giving credit to medical professionals, and I know I kind of went after the whole science thing at the beginning of the show. If you missed that, you can go back and you can listen via podcast anytime you want. Um, But there's an integrity piece that exists with all these medical professionals, and they are working together in most situations. And so if you've got medical professionals in North Carolina – an epidemiologist at Duke who's leading the ACC's medical council, and you've got representatives from all 14 schools in the SEC, so that covers the entire Southeast. And my guess is there are other medical professionals. Maybe the guy from Duke is just the lead, Dr. Cameron, I think that was his last name, Cameron Wolf. And then maybe if you've got the Big 12 where you've got medical professionals from Texas and Oklahoma and the Midwest that are kind of all saying the same thing, then you got something you can really stand on. Hey, we're not the Lone Rangers out here Say so where we've got a few doctors that care more about football than they do public health, and they're just saying play, play, play. You would have a significant portion of the country covered in terms of medical opinions coming together, establishing protocols, and saying if you do it the right way, you can do it. We believe it's safe enough to do it. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.